out this morning. We're glad that you're here with us, and especially our visitors. We're glad to have you with us as well. We hope you'd fill out a card so we'd have a record of your attendance today. Our lesson for this morning begins a, a new series. I like doing series lessons, uh, especially because it helps me with my ideas. And that way, I, I, for the next few weeks, I don't have to worry about what my sermons are going to be. I know what they're going to be. And sometimes that's the hardest thing for preachers to do. Uh, but we're going to begin a series, and it's going to be a study of 1 Peter chapter 1, and especially verses 5 through 7. And we're going to go through each of these individually and see what they mean to us. And the title of the series is going to be Fruitful Christian Growth. Fruitful Christian Growth. As Christians, it is important that we grow. And, and Peter gives us a list of things here in 2 Peter 1 that, that we should grow in. Things that we need to, to be growing in. If we're not growing as Christians, are we really the Christians that we need to be? We need to be growing. And these are good ways in which we can grow. Today we're going to start with the, the first of these. Just looking at 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. But also for this reason, giving all diligence... Add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. When Brother Kirk read this, he read it from the New American Standard, and so the wording is a, a little different in the New King James Version um, that I, I use more often. But today we're going to begin with faith. It, before we can add to our faith, we have to have a good understanding of what faith is and how we are to grow in that faith. So this lesson's focus is on our growth in faith. One of the things that we understand about faith is that faith is the foundation of Christianity. Just the, the very fact that we are Christians, if we have obeyed the gospel, it's founded upon faith. And that's important to us. We understand from Hebrews 11 and verse 6 that without faith it is impossible for us to be pleasing to God. And so we see the importance of faith to our Christianity. Our lesson objectives for this morning are number one, to learn how faith is the foundation of Christianity. Number two, to learn how faith is involved in a faithful Christian journey. And number three, to learn how we can grow in our faith. We begin with our first point, that faith. That faith is the foundation of Christianity. And this is interesting to me because as we look at 2 Peter chapter 1, we understand that Peter had a very good understanding 
of the importance of faith to Christianity. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. And we'll begin reading at verse 13. Matthew 16 and verse 13. And here we read of Peter's confession of faith. Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, or son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now keep in mind that as we look in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, this very same Peter that we read of in Matthew 16 is the writer of that letter. And so as he is, is telling Christians what they need to, to do to add to their faith, he had a good understanding of the importance of faith as the foundation of Christianity. It was upon the very confession that he made that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God that Christianity is founded upon, that the church is founded upon. But that foundation is laid as according to Jesus. So it was upon Peter's faith and the faith of others like him that Jesus promised to build his church. We also understand that, that Peter is not the only one to teach us of the importance of faith to Christianity. We also have the writings of others such as Paul Look at Paul's letter to the Romans, for instance. Romans 10, verses 1 through 17. Romans 10, and beginning with verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that you may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness to everyone who believes. Verse 8, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, Whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And how then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Paul here, as we read this, this, this letter, Paul desired that Israel receive the gospel in faith. And thus he encourages them to not only believe, but to call upon the name of the Lord. To call upon the name of the Lord. And I remember also that he himself had believed and obeyed in the very same manner as he asks them to do. He was told by Ananias in Acts 22 and verse 16, And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Here we have a description of what calling on the name of the Lord really is. See, calling on the name of the Lord is about putting our faith into action and obedience. Being baptized and washing away our sins just as Paul was told to do. So he tells others to do as well. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10 and verse 13. But it's more than obedience. There are those that, that do obey the gospel. Those that are baptized. But maybe their heart is not in the right place. Maybe they don't truly understand what they are doing. Maybe they don't understand the, the implications of becoming a Christian and so they fail to move forward in their faithfulness. So our second point is continuing in the faith. Faith is the foundation of Christianity but we also must continue in the faith in order to be pleasing unto God. Faith is more than what brings us to salvation for obedience to the Word. Faith is what we continue in after being saved from our sins. Turn to Acts 14. Acts 14. Let's begin reading at verse 19. Acts 14 and verse 19. Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, 
supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, We must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commanded them to the, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. Now when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them, and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Paul and Barnabas went about encouraging Christians to continue in the faith. Verse 22. And not only did they establish churches based on the faith of their members, but they encouraged these members and commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed and to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. Verses 23 and 26. As we look at this commendation that these disciples were given, we see elements of praise with the recommendation that they continue in the faith to which they had been entrusted. And there are other similar exhortations found throughout Scripture. 1 Corinthians 16 verses 13 and 14. Watch. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. Philippians 1 and verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And in Jude, a book of only one chapter, Jude verse 3, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. As we look at continuing in the faith, I think it's always uh, also good for us to recognize that there were those that failed to do so. 
There were some described in 1 Timothy as having erred from the faith. Beginning in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. 1 Timothy 1, verse 18. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some, having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. Chapter 4 verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrow. Is it possible to stray away from the faith for which one has once contended? Absolutely. And we see evidence of those that did. One who has become a Christian can, in fact, turn away from the faith that brought them to salvation. We must beware that we not also turn away from the faith of the Scriptures. So we must continue in the faith. The foundation of Christianity is faith. And we must continue in that same faith. And we must also grow in that faith. Point number three, growing in faith. Growth in faith begins with the proper soil. It begins with the proper soil. Turn with me to Luke 8. Luke 8. Let's begin reading at verse 11. Jesus is explaining the parable of the soils, the parable of the sower, however you may want to look at it. And he says in verse 11 of Luke 8, Now the parable is this, The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root who believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. If we are the wayside, the stony, or the thorny soils, the seed, the word of God, cannot be properly sown in our hearts that it may produce fruit. However, if we are the good soil, then the seed is sown within our hearts. 
And it does take root. And it does remain. And it continues to grow. Just as any good plant, any good seed planted in good soil would do. So we grow in our faith. Christians are expected to grow. Christians are expected to bear fruit. Look at John 15 and verses 1 through 8. John 15, beginning with verse 1. Here Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, verse 5. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. But this, my Father, is glorified. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. To understand what the fruit is, I've used a quote from the Benson Commentary. Then it brought forth before to God's greater glory, the greater benefit of mankind, and their own greater progress in holiness here, and a fuller reward of felicity and glory hereafter. We must bear fruit. And this fruit is, is given in different forms. We bear fruit unto God. We glorify Him. We bear fruit to the greater benefit of mankind. And as we bear fruit, we, we teach others what they need to do. We teach others what they need to do to be saved. We teach others what the Scriptures have to say. And so our fruit is born also in those that we come in contact with. And we must grow ourselves. If we are bearing fruit, then we are growing within ourselves as well. But bearing fruit requires that we grow. Any Christian that is not growing is not going to be pleasing unto God. And so we must make sure that we are growing in our faith. Peter encourages us to add to our faith. But we must first lay the foundation of our faith. And true faith begins with a good and honest heart, willing to accept and obey the commands of God. First, in obedience to the gospel. 
confession of that faith, repentance, turning away from our sins, and immersion for the remission of sins. In laying this foundation of faith, we must continue in the faith, in faithful service to God. We must bear fruit for God. Our faith may be strong based on how we conduct ourselves, how we live our lives, how we study God's Word, how we understand it, how we apply it to our lives. Our faith may be strong. And, and as we were talking about in, in our announcements, in our prayer list, we have those that are facing some very difficult things. And I'm reminded that, that in some of those difficulties, some of those may have the greatest faith. Our faith may also be weak if we are not careful. Jesus, when Peter tried to walk on water, we read this in Matthew 14 and verse 31. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Peter, in that moment, was of a weak faith. He looked around and he saw the storms around him and, and he didn't know what to do. His faith became weak and he began to sink. But what happened? What do we read in this verse? Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. Maybe your faith has been weakened in some way. Maybe it's just not as strong as it once was. Maybe you've looked around and saw the storms beating against you and, and maybe your faith has waned. But if you look closely in the storm, you can see that Jesus is reaching out to you. He is reaching out His hand to catch you. Just as he caught Peter, just as he brought him back, and they came into the boat. And look at Peter. Look at Peter. Because Peter, just a couple of chapters over from Matthew 14, he makes the great confession of faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Peter, in Acts chapter 2, preaches the, the first gospel sermon on the day of Pentecost, telling others what they need to do to be saved. And it is Peter that is writing to Christians in 2 Peter chapter 1, and thus writing to us and telling us to add to our faith. How interesting that Peter is tied to so many things. We see him with a weaker faith, we see Him with a stronger faith. And we see Him strengthening others. Are you of a weaker faith? In need of being strengthened? Are you in need of returning to faithful service to God? Maybe you need help. Maybe you need prayer. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. 
If you're not a Christian, then we would also encourage you to become a Christian today. Do those things that we're commanded to do in Scripture. Be baptized for the remission of your sins. Whatever your need may be today, if there is any way that we can assist you, we offer you the Lord's invitation as together we stand and as we sing. When we walk with